standing for right is one thing. Standing for right in the right spirit is what gives it power. See, God has all of this wonderful blessings for us, but it's from his table and not the pagan tables. Morning. Amen. God bless you. My, what a, what a rapture of God's presence and in, in, in God's word. Uh, you know what I mean? And the excitement of the saints. Blessings to you. Would you stand with me one more time as, as we honor the children and the young people as they go to their classes? And uh, we're so grateful for, for the, uh, that area of, of, of the body of Christ and, and how important they are to us. And for all those that go ahead and, uh, you know, help facilitate that this morning. It takes workers to be able to care for every age group. And even we as adults, we need, you know, the care of one another, don't we? We really do. Amen. Father, thank you this morning for the journeys of our last uh, days, uh, as, as in past, not the last days of our life, but uh, uh, this last week, the week before, whatever it might be. We just want to go back. and We just want to thank you. We want to thank you, God, for your watchful care and, God, your divine provision, Lord, and, and, and just for the closeness of your presence, the assurity of your word, the power of the Holy Spirit in our life, God. And we want to thank you, God, for the establishment and the setting in of the various ministries in the body of Christ. Uh, Father, those that, 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 that help us uh, uh, encourage our hearts and, and they give their gifts and their talents and their time. Uh, we just want to thank you, Lord, how you set each one in the body as it pleases you, God. And uh, we want to be pleased with that too, just as you are pleased with it. So Father, I'll just ask you to bless. I ask you to honor. Father, I just ask you to give recognition. Father, and encouragement to each and every one. Lord, that there are no insignificance in your work, in your plan, and in your body, and in your kingdom. And, and even the lost is not insignificant to you, for you gave your life for them, and uh, you're still calling them. So, Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you this morning that we are not just uh, individuals, but we are a body. And together, Lord, we want to represent you and, and also not rep, just simply represent you, but we want to be your hands and your, your legs and your voice and in your spirit and your life uh, uh, wherever we go. Father, so today I just ask you to, uh, to gird up in strength. Holy Spirit, just uh, empower and, and, and encourage. Lord, and just let the peace and the kingdom of God continue to flourish in each life and each home. I pray for the dreams that are present this morning. Father, that uh, they would uh, uh, come to pass. Father, that there would be that uh, bringing forth and the full reality of it. And I pray for those this morning, Father, whose dreams maybe seem to have, pay, have faded. Or Father, whose dreams they've had, they've been fulfilled, and they're not really sure what tomorrow holds, what it is, God. I pray for that fresh encounter today. God, that there will just be a, 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 a knowing 
and, and a peace that will come into their hearts and an energy to walk in it, we pray. We ask it all for the glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that the Father might be glorified. In his name, amen. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Praise the Lord. Well, it is good to be back. It was a, a restful and wonderful time. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the routine doesn't feel so bad. <laughs> it really doesn't. So praise God for that. We just thank him for it, and we, and we love you. And um, Before we start this morning, I just want to tell you that next week, Next week, we, I will introduce you or, or ex, uh, express, you know, uh, the season that we are in, that we are going into. Uh, we have been uh, talking about sowing seeds for revival. The Lord has spoke to my heart about, you know what I mean, what season it is now that, that we enter in. And so next week, we will start that and uh, move, uh, I think, in the, the framework of, of uh, preaching, et cetera, down that uh, uh, line, but that's next week. Uh, this morning, we're going to talk about a couple of things. Again, thanks, Scott, for filling in, and I already talked, thank Brother, uh, Brother Tucker, uh, and I know you've done a great job. Let me uh, go ahead and acknowledge uh, some visitors here this morning. God bless you. Uh, uh, so good to have you with us. We trust you feel the Lord and feel the love of God in this house and are encouraged in your life not only by the worship, but uh, by the word. Uh, you, know, and, you know, and I know that, that sometimes when you come into this house and various houses like it, you know, our worship's different than some other houses. And, and I don't know, we, we kind of like, we feel like we're in a football game. And, and uh, you know, if they can get excited about, you know, a pigskin running back and up down the field, that, you know what I mean? Uh, we, we have a, a, a risen Savior, as, as Scott talked about this morning. And, and so, yeah, we... we you know, we really rejoice, and uh, it's not just a, uh, you know, not because we don't know how to do it some other way, we just can't help ourselves, so. <laughs> anyway, as I was, as we were worshiping, what, a, what an amazing song and worship that we had this morning. I found the Lord speak to my heart, and, and, and I hope you understand when, you know, I'm not somebody far out, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, you know, but I do believe that the Holy Spirit does speak today. You know, and I believe that we become interpreters of that and, and also the conveyors of it. But he said, you know what? He said, I want you to tell the church they need to start, start you know, approaching life, approaching church, pre approaching everything that we're in a championship game. A championship game. Hallelujah. This is not just a routine, just not just an ordinary, you know what I mean? Uh, it, it's just not, uh, 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 we're just not uh, trying to earn a spot in the championship game, you know what I mean? We've already been given a spot in the championship game. And we know the stories, we know who wins, et cetera, that, that type of thing, but start living life. You know, attending church and uh, demonstrating the kingdom of God right where you're at. You know, like you're 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 a winner. You're in a championship game, and, and this there's there's really a lot on the line. There was so much on the line. Fact is, you know what I mean. That Jesus gave His life for it, because life and death was on the line. And Jesus gave His life. You know what I mean, and and partook of death so that we could live, as we've already heard this morning. So, praise God. Now. I, how do you approach a championship game? Okay, now just don't, don't just, you know, let this slide off. 
there's a change. There is a different approach with championships. Yeah. Amen. Amen. It's a different one. And uh, uh, praise God, you know, just because we win doesn't mean we don't play like, play like champions. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Yeah. Praise God. Good preaching. <laughs> Anyway, championship game, uh, and it's all about, you know, the victory of Jesus Christ and, and the cross. It's all about it, you know what I mean? It's all about, the, you know what I mean, the, the coach, the Holy Spirit in our life that he sent and, uh, and is, is here and empowering us. Amen. So uh, uh, if you see me uh, and watch me, you know, be a little more championship-like, and know that I've got the message. It's the championship hour. It's the championship hour. This morning I want to talk to us about something I think is really vitally important, uh, uh, not only for our personal lives and for those that are closest to us, uh, you know, in the operation, in function of life, but as we are uh, dealing with the society and the culture, uh, that we have to, that we deal with, that we've been placed in. Did you know that you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood? In other words, God says, you know, uh, you know, uh, for this hour, you're the man, you're the woman, you're the kids. You know what I mean? You're the young people. He says, for this hour, you're the one. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't make us better than the other one, but He said, you're the ones that that you know that I've equipped, made it possible, you know, to go ahead and be His high priest his priesthood in this hour. And he says that, that uh, uh, you're chosen, and that because you're chosen, he says there should be something that, that is, is emanating from you, and that is praise. That you should show forth the praises of him who have called you out of darkness into marvelous light. In other words, he's saying that, that, that your life... You know what I mean? Should reflect your understanding that you were captive and now you are set free. You were dead, but now you are alive. You were barren, but now you are fruitful. Hallelujah. Amen. Chosen generation, a royal priesthood, uh, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into a marvelous light. Hallelujah. So... You know, um, you are here at this time and uh, this place and in your spot for a a divine setup, a divine purpose. And, you know, us that are getting, uh, you know, up in years and gray hairs, you know, no longer can be overlooked. They just, you know, all of uh, the, uh, yeah, the, uh, Gray uh, removers just can't keep up with it anymore. Uh, uh, we're not done. Uh, we're not done. Praise God. We might ride the wagon a little longer, but, you know, and some people do a little more pulling, but, you know, we're still going to be there. But my spirit, my responsibility. My spirit, my responsibility. In Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27, it says this, The spirit of the man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. 
Man's spirit is God's contact point through which he illuminates man and shows him his own true nature. And of course, that's, that's a very minimal uh, explanation of that, but it, it, it uh, just references that is, that is a, a vital part of us. You are our, our spirit, soul, and body. All right? And so you have the body, uh, you know, which becomes the expression part of us. Uh, we have uh, the soul, you know, which is your mind, your will, and, and your emotions, and you have your spirit. And the soul sets between the, the physical and the spiritual and is affected, you know, depending on which one is the most predominant in your life. And, of course, as a Christian's life, it should be the spirit of the Lord. But the spirit is that part of you where God resides, you know, in the power of his own personal spirit, the Holy Spirit. You know, just as the candle is made for fire, and the fire for the candle, so our completeness is only when the two come together. We are like the candle, and he is the fire. But both are made for each other. God lights it. God trims it. And God replenishes it, that candle and the fire. So uh, it was David that said, renew a right spirit within me. So if there is a right spirit, then there must be a wrong spirit. And so, obviously, we desire to have a right spirit, but my spirit is my responsibility. This is so important because much of God's plan for you, and even me, is tied to the right spirit. The right spirit. We might reference the word attitude. Attitude, of course, is, the, is, is that element that, that is projected from the type of spirit that's there. So, but we first have to have a right spirit in order to have a right attitude. Wrong spirit, we get wrong attitude. So, this is so important about the spirit part of us because what God has planned for us is, is tied to that. It is this thing that, that holds people back from doing God's complete will and their inability to rule their spirit. Proverbs 25 and 8 says this, whoever has no rule over his spirit is like a city with broken down walls, broken down without walls. Now we are not a, a nation that has walls around us, but if when this was written, uh, you know what I mean, it was customary that that the living quarters, uh, you know, that the people lived in would be surrounded by walls to, to protect, you know what I mean, and to keep in. And so it's written and says that when the walls are down, you know, trouble can happen. When the walls are down, you're vulnerable. 
When your spirit, you know what I mean, does not have a, 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 a mechanism that's not falling for anything and everything in it, if it doesn't have that element by which it, it can, uh, you know, uh, uh, keep out and keep in, it's vulnerable. It's open to attacks. As a result of a broken down spirit or a wrong spirit, not a broken down spirit, that's a different area altogether, broken spirits. Uh, but wrong spirit, you know, we make poor choices. We can be a, on a roller coaster in, in, in life. Things like anxiety, you know, and all kinds of negativity. Those things that, you know, bring detrimentalism to our life, they, they rule our spirit. They rule our spirit. And so he says that, that a, a, a ruled spirit. Now, uh, it was uh, Nehemiah that when he... Uh, was set on his commission, and his commission was that he was to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Now notice what happened, and how important walls are in your life. That is, you know, control over your spirit. Ezra had went, you know, a couple hundred years before, and built the house of worship. He rebuilt the temple. So worship is going on, you know. The house of God is intact. The place, you know, where people come and worship God is that's that's been uh, restored and set up. But yet he's still getting reports. There's still trouble in the camp. It's not because you know there's something wrong with the house of worship. It's not because there's something wrong with the singers. It's not because there's something wrong with the order that's going on. It's because the walls of the city are making even the worship, the order, vulnerable to the attacks. Things that are, that are able to come in without, uh, even in the midst of the order of, of worship. And so his heart is so grieved and when he hears about it and, and he sets himself and he, he says, you know, it's vital, it's important that, that we get there and we build the walls so that everything is not so vulnerable. No control over the spirit of that man or of that individual. Now I know we, we, the, he sends the Holy Spirit to assist us and to, to help us in that. And of course, that's, we're, we're grateful for that, that he is here to help us. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says that the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. So even the prophet, you know what I mean? The exhorter, the, the giver, you know, is just not at liberty and free to just be without wisdom and consideration and in purpose in their lives. 
What he's saying, it's possible to be prophetic and still have a wrong spirit. We're not going to talk much about that, you know, but it's just to set this, the stage. There's a man that the Bible says was a man of excellent spirit. Daniel had an excellent spirit. You see it there. He distinguished himself because of an excellent spirit that was in him. So let's take a look at Daniel for a moment in this excellent spirit. And I think it's, why is this relevant? And I'll tell you why I think it's relevant is because of the culture that Daniel lived in. And yet he was able to maintain an excellent spirit. It is, it is no, no news that we live in a very, you know, different culture than what maybe we had been used to, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago in our, our fathers. So Daniel served the most powerful three pagan kings in the world during his time. It covered a span of 70 years. So he, he didn't just have an excellent spirit for one period of time. He had an excellent spirit for 70 years, for three different, quote, pagan kings. And during that time, he never lost his love. He never lost his loyalty to Jehovah God. Even in the midst of the captivities, Daniel and his fellow friends, the, we know them as the, the Hebrew children, they always maintained an excellent spirit, no matter what was happening. Now, I would like for you to, uh, as, as a homework, I don't generally give homework, and of course I can't make you do your homework, but I would like for you to read the first few chapters of Daniel this week and refresh yourself, you know, and capture the theme that God is trying to present to us in the first few chapters of of Daniel. It was because of his excellent spirit that he was so powerfully impacted those that he served. The type of spirit that he had. Number one, he had a, and the excellent spirit of Daniel included serving. Didn't make any difference, you know, the position. He always maintained a heart of servanthood. Daniel was stripped of his name and his culture. Now that, that means a lot. That's powerful. In our day and age, we, you know, we, we get these little plaques that, that reference a name, but to them, the name basically, you know what I mean, uh, painted their life's future. And so he was stripped of his name, removed from his culture. 
He was forced into a completely foreign way of life. A pagan name was given to him. Stripped of his Hebrew identity. You know, the enemy would just love to strip you of your personal identity in Jesus Christ. He'd like to remove, you know, uh, from your acute awareness of the fact of your rights and privileges that you have in Jesus Christ. It's nothing new. It's been here since the beginning. When he started with Adam and Eve, he raised the question, has God really said? But in the midst of all this change that was forced upon him, they managed to retain an excellent spirit. They managed, now notice what he also did. Daniel managed to negotiate his position without giving up any of his non-negotiable positions. So we have, on one hand, we have some non-negotiables. And on the other hand, he said, you know what I mean? There is some room of movement here that I can give. So he wants to find a, a, you know, not a warring spirit among them, but he wants to have the domination of the peace be the dominant aspect of it. We need to learn how to be Daniels. And to understand that we can still be saints in Babylon. Daniel was found guilty of a dedicated prayer life. He was found guilty of loving his enemies. He was found guilty of a concentration, consecration rather, that could not be broken by the enticement of the world. He learned how to be in the world, but not of the world. Which the New Testament references us is our position and our our place. How do we live in the world and not, you know, just become like the world? It all boils down, church, not so much to your position, but to the right spirit. It was his spirit that excelled in the midst of the confusion, you know, and the diverseness of the culture. An excellent spirit was found in him. An excellent spirit means fine, noble, admirable, excels and goes beyond. A spirit that is excellent does those things. It's a life that harmonizes with the true God. The infant one. 
Daniel's spirit was the dominant factor in his life. It came through his personality. It was your spirit that governed his life, not the material. He didn't let the king's fine food and the wine in the king's table go ahead and pull him in. They were not the things that were principally governing his life. It was his excellent spirit. I think that the church, I think to the believer, we need to concentrate on having an excellent spirit. There are four, four things that reveal about Daniel that brought him into excellency. And that is, he was a man of purpose. He was a man of prayer, he was a man of perception, and he was a man of power. A man of purpose. He made a decision in his life that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies. Before you get there, he had made, before he got there, he had made the decision. Before you get there, you need to have made the decision. He made a purpose in his life that he would not let fleshly indulgence, you know, be the ruler. But his loyalty would be to God. He first found his center before he began to work on his circumference. And God was his center. God became his center, and then out of that, he was able, you know what I mean, to discover what the perimeter of his life was to be. Once he made his determination, it was through prayer that he began to discover the circumference of his life. See, purpose is not enough. You have to recognize your own limitations, your own frailty, and your weaknesses, and you only can do that through prayer. In a segment of truth of, of God's word and God's people is, we're more than conquerors, we can do this and we can do all things, you know? You know what it says? It says, through Christ who strengthens me. Yes. So he, it pushes us right back to our prayer life. What I can do, I can do because I have communion with the one that 
I can do all things through. So he formed habits of prayer. We're talking about a man with an excellent spirit. We're talking about a man that not only had an excellent spirit, but maintained an excellent spirit for 70 years under three different pagan kings. And out of prayer, he gained perception. In that prayer, he began to get clarity in vision. Jesus' life of prayer was for some real purposes. It was to find out what I should do on a daily basis. What should I do on a daily basis? He's got all power in heaven and earth. You know what I mean? He said that because he always does the will of the Father, Father always hears him. I mean, there isn't anything he can't do. But he knows this one thing, I'm not on my own. I didn't come for my own will. I came for the Father's will, right? Absolutely. He came for the Father's will. And so he would spend the time in, to find out what the Father was doing for that day, and then he would go out and do it. I heard a story recently of uh, a, a child of God that had passed away. The child of God had passed away, and the, the belief of, of the family was that, was that you know, uh, you could do anything. You can raise the dead. You can, uh, you know, this thing should not happen. Uh, uh, they just couldn't buy into fact that death was part of, part of life. And so they went ahead and, you know, called, you know, people in every corner that they knew and asked them to pray, and they would not have a funeral because they were believing that, you know, they could raise the dead would not have a funeral. And so people were praying all over, you know, and they were going the routine of what we would normally do, you know, and the confessions and all of that. And he was dead. He was dead. So he called up, you know, a very, you know, uh, uh, senior man in the kingdom and, you know, and asked them, you know, would you pray with me? And he says, well, uh, wait a minute. Let's, let's talk about this. I know we can raise the dead. And I know that, you know, God has made many promises. But the wisdom of this man says, but did God tell you? In your prayer time, did God tell you? Are you just taking a promise and trying to apply it? Or did God tell you that he was going to raise him from the dead. And then, of course, he brought to them the scriptures and the ministry of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I only do what the Father tells me to do. I only do what the Father tells me to do. So it's, it's in prayer that clarity and perception is given. And our vision comes into 
viable exercise. Amen? And then he had power. We know he had power of influence when we read his story. But the highest courage is not battlefield courage, but it's moral courage. What gave him, you know, position was his moral courage. Having the power to resist temptation. Having the power to resist in enticements. In other words, what are, we, what are we saying here? See, God has all of this wonderful blessings for us, but it's from his table and not the pagan tables. Somebody give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. Amen. It's from the table of the Lord. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. And Daniel comes on the scene here, you know what I mean? And he says, I'm going to wait and just eat from the table of the Lord. And not from the table of the culture and the powers that be. And he negotiated, of course, you know, so he would not be in complete obedience to those when it was a negotiable thing and not negotiable. It's so important to have a right spirit. Right spirit. Notice this. The red thread of religiously spilled blood runs to every place where religious folk turn from compassion to competition. Standing for right is one thing. Standing for right in the right spirit is what gives it power. Let me, let me give you some examples from the Bible of this, the truth of this uh, Cain and Abel. Isaac and Ishmael. Jacob and Esau. Joseph and his brothers. More close to our Muslims and Jews. Jews and Christians. when we lose compassion and get into competition, we divorce ourselves from the right spirit. We are never given the freedom to be wrong in spirit, even if we're right. Even if we're right. We're never given the freedom to be wrong in spirit. A right spirit is a teachable spirit. And teachable spirits have doors just open to them. Moses, the great leader, 
sitting in a position of power and authority, but he had a teachable spirit. When Jethro, his father-in-law, came to him and he saw the difficulty that he was in and the, the pressure that he was under, and he offered him some advice. He said, you know, this is how we can you know, make this thing run smoother. Take the load off you. We just need to find some extra guys to, to help with it. He had a teachable spirit. The rich young ruler had a different kind of spirit, and the kind of spirit that hindered him from becoming close to Jesus. On the table for him was getting closer to the Lord. What must I do? Well, you must keep the commandments of the Lord. I have kept all of these from my youth. What more must I do? Well, one thing thou lackest, Jesus said. There's something in your way. There's something in your spirit that's controlling your life. He wasn't knocking riches. He wasn't, you know, putting down success. He wasn't doing any of those things. He's saying, there's something ruling your spirit. And in his case, it was his riches. And only for him to get that out of the way, to, to get that close communion, was to, you know, take a personal step of separating himself from it. And getting his riches from the father's table and not from the pagan king's table. King Saul. King Saul had a spirit in him that he would take the word and he would adjust it to suit his agenda. He took the word, and when confronted with his interpretation of the word, he got defensive, and he reinterpreted what God had said. David, after his sin... You know, and after, after his murder plot and murder happened, he recognized that it wasn't just forgiveness that he needed. Come on, church. It was the right spirit. Cleanse me. Create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit. Wrong spirits produces murder in our life. Wrong spirits cause us to plot and to plan the demise and the failure and the executions of people created me a right 
right spirit, Lord. He lost it. I'm so glad that, you know, there is a place. It's not just about being forgiven. It's also about being renewed in a right, right spirit. My spirit is my responsibility. And we have influences in our life, and they, they, they help us, and we need people, and we can go to them. We, if we have faults, you know what I mean, if we have sin, we're supposed to go, go to our brothers and our, and our sisters. But when we walk away, ultimately, it's my personal responsibility. My spirit, my responsibility. <clears throat> Having a right spirit in a couple categories here, where are we at? Have a right spirit, not just in a culture that's, you know, against everything that you stand for, but a right spirit in your position and a right spirit in promotion. Where does it come from? Where does position and promotion come from? comes from God. Psalm 75, 67, the exaltation comes neither from the east or the west nor from the south, but God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. Sometimes to my distaste, sometimes to my dislike, but what's important to me is kind of spirit I have with regard to what has taken place. See, you don't want to compare yourself with others. It hinders God in your life. There's a grace zone that God has placed for you. A grace zone that God has placed for every individual. You need to be content to live in that Grace zone. It's called a right spirit. God brings associations into our lives. This is getting down to where we're at. Right spirit of the people that He's joined you together, partnerships. God has God connections for you, not just good connections. God puts right people in our lives. Remember Barnabas and Saul? The Holy Spirit said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul. You'll do much better in life if you don't live outside the partnerships that God has ordained. You'll do much better in life because it's a, it's a right, right spirit. It's not so much about the right person as it is about the right spirit. 
And you just keep going on. The right spirit in success. The right spirit in failure. The right spirit when somebody tries to sabotage what's been going on in your life. When you don't allow bad spirits to cling to you. The right spirit in opposition. The right spirit. We have to close. Give you the keys to how to maintain a right spirit. But I think that, you know, you kind of get the message. As you stand with me, my musicians come. Even if you don't agree, you still main, have to, need to maintain a right spirit. And a right spirit is a better position, you know what I mean, than your position, you know what I mean, that, than your religious position. A right spirit. It says this in First Peter chapter two, verse twenty-one. Herein you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example. That we should follow in his footsteps who did no sin. In other words, I mean, he is perfectly innocent. Neither was guile or deceit found in his mouth, who when reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he did not threaten but committed to him who judges rightly. The church, saints of God, if there is correction that needs to be done in the scheme of culture and society and people, God says, you go ahead. If you really believe that Jesus is Lord, You can wait for him to do it and not you do it. You can say your yay and your nay, but make sure that your spirit is right. That it's not retaliation. Oh, hallelujah. I want to see the church and I want to see the people of God, you know, begin to, in their arena and domain. Now, Daniels was, was in, in, in government and was high up in positions. But he didn't start there. He did not get to be third in the ruler of the kingdom. That is not how he entered He entered 
that pagan world as a captive, as a prisoner of war, as one, you know, ripped from his country. He was only a teenager. So he didn't start at the top, but he rose to the top. And it says that he did so all because his spirit was right. He let his spirit lead the way, not his position or his posture. His spirit. His spirit. I've been trying to work on my spirit and watch my spirit. Because God looks at the spirit of of the thing. Love your enemies. Do good to those that hate you and despitefully use you. But what they're doing is against what I believe. Jesus, or excuse me, Daniel reached in to the heart of a king. Because he had a right, right spirit. And not only did Daniel reach into the heart of the king because he had a right spirit, but the king began to reach into Daniel. (laughs) Hallelujah. He began to reach into Daniel. Because sooner or later, confusion and troubling spirits will come into their arena. And when that happens, they need to know that they can reach out to you. And it's not going to be a judgmental spirit that they're going to, you know, find. It's going to be a helping spirit that they're going to discover. Hallelujah. Now, of course, it's just not, you know, one, you know, one size fits all. That's why you got to have prayer. That's why you got to have prayer. When faced with some of his most difficult, difficult situations, Daniel said, you know, I just need a little time with prayer. And he gathered three other people around him, which was his Hebrew friends. He gathered, said, would you pray with me? Because I don't really don't know what to do in this situation, but I'm not going to go ahead and answer the king. I'm not going to give an answer to, you know, to this question that they're giving me until I find out, you know what I mean, some insights from the, from the heavenlies. Oh, hallelujah. God has set the church. Now he wants to position the church. He has ordained the church. Now he wants to anoint her. Those are different church. An ordination is an assignment. An anointing, of course, is the spirit of him. It's being projected through the assignment.
just one last thought to validate it from the passage of Scripture in the New Testament. Jesus went to the Samaritans. Of course, the Samaritans had been fighting, you know, through all of their history. In fact, as most Jews would not even go through Samaria. Jesus decided he was going to go through Samaria because, guess what? He's interested in the Samaritans. The rejects. The outcast. And so when he went in, you know, here he comes in. He's coming in with his, his nature, his right spirit, his love, etc. You know what I mean? And, and they just didn't want anything to do with him. So here's James and John. James and John remembers Elijah, you know what I mean? The, the bear that they called out of the, out of the, uh, the woods, you know, when Elisha did that. You know, these, these, these kids that made fun, he called a bear out, you know what I mean, and killed him. And, and, and Elijah called down fire, you know, on Mount Carmel. And, and so they're saying, well, you know, Master, do you want us to go ahead and call fire out of heaven? And, you know, we'll teach these people a lesson. Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you're of. He doesn't want any calling down fire from heaven. No, he doesn't. He doesn't want us to call down fire from heaven. Oh, hallelujah. Father, this morning, we're so grateful that you have anointed us for this hour and for this time. And I personally pray for the adjustment in my own spirit, Lord. That spirit of Christ that set the example of handling the worst, God, in dealing with some real life issues. And we need wisdom, Lord, but we need a right spirit. We're asking that the Holy Spirit just take over our lives. And we pray that we'll cultivate in our lives, Lord, a right spirit. We just leave this house this morning seeking your face and spending time at the throne to know exactly what to do in a given situation. We bless this people. We bless this week. We bless this hour. And we bless the church. And we bless your name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Praise God. And go execute right spirits wherever you're at.